Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello everybody. This is Brian Courtney with Short Bus Debate Club. And as always, I've got Darren Jolly across the table from me. Hello. I'm from nowhere. Um I was listening to an episode of the podcast earlier and I am making no guarantees, but I noticed that I'm doing the podcast kind of like I speak, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but about every fourth word is fuck. So I'm going to try to make an effort to cut back on the word fuck um, and make it I don't know, every seventh word or something. Um, Just to make it not as often. Um, Because we kind of try to, I don't know, we're not necessarily following the path, but all of the things that we talk about kind of have something to do with something that we want to talk about or vice versa. So we were talking about protection of thyself or a third party. Um, So this episode, we're going to talk about amendment two and, and gun control, you know, do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? Do you believe the fucking hype that the media says and that, you know, we need to get rid of guns? Um, Are you one of the fucking retards that believes that we should only get rid of specific guns? Um, You know, anyway, we're going to talk about guns. So, uh, you got any clever, insightful opening thoughts, Darren? Clever, insightful. I always have clever and, clever and, clever and insightful opening thoughts. You know, just the, one of the things, like I said to you earlier, that I really found interesting was how little um, had been done in terms of Supreme Court rulings with regards to the, uh, the Second Amendment, particularly in the last 130 years. I mean, in the last 130 years, there was a case in 1939 um that had i mean it had more to do with uh uh like the like the sawed off shotguns and stuff like that i mean it seemed it seemed more like it was you know the chicago and uh, what was going on with bootlegging and stuff and then not until 2008 when uh um all this sort of rhetorical discussions have come out about uh the militia concept came back out. So like, just really quickly, Amendment 2, right? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, right? So like rooted in that idea, there hadn't been a lot of interpretations historically. And then when something came up in 2008, uh, MSNBC and, and a bunch of these uh, mainstream left-wing uh, media outlets uh, sort of seemed to drum up this position that there was these very clear interpretations 
and the Supreme Court was laying out rules. You know, it's it's funny because along those same lines, you and I were talking, and I don't know, maybe we have some older listeners that will be able to correct us one way or the other on this, but, you know, when I was a kid, I don't remember Reagan or, or Carter arguing about guns or, or saying that these people are going to take away our guns or, or vice versa. Um, I don't remember, and obviously I wasn't born yet, but I don't remember when, you know, learning about politics, them mentioning anything to do with, ironically enough, JFK saying something about guns, um, you know, or, or Nixon or any of them. Lyndon Johnson. So when did the gun debate really come to the forefront? I mean, was it after Iran-Contra? Was it because of something specific? Um, Because I think that that argument happened before Ruby Ridge and before Oklahoma City, where it started to kind of you know, bubble up to the surface. But even back then, it wasn't where it is now. And now it's fucking asinine. Well, the the 70s, definitely, I mean, at least from some of the stuff that I looked at, the NRA saw a giant shift in terms of what their intentions were. But it doesn't look to me like those, it just looked to me like gun companies wanted to drive the market. Like they want, they saw, they saw a bit of money and they wanted to kind of, push push that up you know i mean uh whether or not that's true i i I don't really know i mean i was born in 76 uh my parents were trap shooters uh when i was in boy scouts uh because i was mormon and boy scouts before i went down the dark and beaten path that i ended up diverging when i met brian when i was about 13 but i learned how to shoot uh when i was 12 years old this is a very typical thing i shot a handgun i shot a rifle I went trap shooting uh, when I was, when my mom had me in her stomach, she was rated sixth in the country uh, for female trap shooters. So um, gun culture was a part of my family's life in a very normal way. My family's from Eastern Colorado. You know, I mean, hunting was sort of a normal thing. They had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sheep, they had cattle, you know, I mean, that means that you have guns because you have to negotiate certain things when you have those kinds of animals. But uh Politically, there's no doubt that now there are two very clear diverging paths with regards to, at least in terms of the mainstream media, if you're going to listen to Fox, if you're going to listen to MSNBC or CNN, where one of them basically suggests, uh, like like you said, um, uh, there's a lot of discussions about... uh, what, what's the rifle that they all, all talk about, that, where the kid went in Uvalde and AK-47, AR-15. AR-15, yeah. So people, people in, that identify themselves as Democrats, generally speaking, uh, sort of seem to hum up. They, they come together and seem to sort of like congregate and agree that this is something that people don't need to have. Um, a lot of people talk about that because they say it's not necessary for hunting. Um I mean, there are clearly some problems that maybe need to be negotiated, but I don't know if, like, picking a specific gun 
don't know. I mean, what, what well, you... I, and I still, you know, you mentioned gun companies trying to make sales, and I believe that a large portion of this this fear that they're going to take away our guns is in order to sell more guns. Um, now, who is driving that? You know, I don't think it's a specific gun company. Um, but again, you know, we, we talked about it in earlier episodes where, you know, senators and, and reps will have a, a stock portfolio that may include, you know, arms manufacturers. Um, now, is that why they're doing it? I don't know. Um, I personally, now my mom was, I don't know if I would call her against guns, but she never really had a gun. My dad, before he split, bought her a gun and said, if you ever see anybody outside the house, shoot them and drag them inside the house. Um, <laughs> what's your wise, wise words? Um, but her brothers and her cousins, you know, so my uncle and my second cousin once removed or whatever, they all had guns and they hunted and, and, you know, we always had game meat around, um, so she definitely saw the the benefits of hunters. Of course, my family wasn't hunting with, you know, an AK-47 or a, an automatic rifle. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have them. So just statistically real quick. Um, just in relation to the business of, of guns. So this is from uh, uh, an article out of Forbes, January 5th, 2022. Just the first paragraph. Uh, top line, Americans bought about 19.9 million firearms last year, down 12.5% from 2020, according to one industry estimate. But 2021 was still the industry's second busiest year on record. Politics and public health continue to drive interest in, in owning guns. So, I mean, it's interesting that all this rhetorical disposition is sort of like bubbling up in the wake of having the two largest uh, years of gun sales on record in, in, in the U.S. Well, I've got to tell you, so I always knew kind of how I would act or how I've acted in the past. So I never bought a gun. Uh, but when COVID and the being trapped in the house thing and, and seeing everybody act like a bunch of fucking crazy people, yeah. um, it, it made me kind of think that I don't know who's going to come busting through my door. So I bought guns. I bought several guns. Uh, you know, also because of COVID and all of the shit that happened, I, I don't have those guns anymore. Um, <laughs> but 
I, I did have them. Um, I don't know. I just think it's so weird because I really, and I, I tried to find some of the stuff that might show some of these older political campaigns arguing one way or the other. And I can't find it. And I'm trying to think what that trigger was. You know, again, Ruby Ridge, you know, around that time they were talking about it. Waco, yeah, lots of crazy shit happened. People and people got concerned because they saw certain things that the FBI was doing and certain things that clearly the FBI was covering up with regards to stuff. This is this is not this is not politically loaded. It doesn't matter whether you're right or left. These are things that that, that occurred. I mean, yeah, but those are things that should have made us want guns for saying. sale. Well, you, I mean, that, like. Uh, so you're saying that the Demopublicans saw the FBI doing their thing, and so then they had to quickly correct course in the eyes of the public? I'm saying that when when something occurs and things start to bubble up, that there's generally a response that goes to the other side. I mean, one thing that we, I mean, we both know, I mean, like, I'll never forget the day that Columbine happened. You know, I mean, I was playing poker up in Colorado Central Station, and... Like we knew, you, you, anybody that had half a brain knew what was gonna, like on some level, what was gonna happen. Uh, there, there, I mean, you're you're gonna have a, a social discussion that arises where you're gonna you're gonna blame the actions of, of Klebold and uh, Harris on video games, on guns, on uh, music, on you know their parents being horrible parents. You know, any number of things that didn't really drive it. Uh, you know, maybe if there was something deeper, maybe if they did have other psychological issues that, you know, could have been negotiated or what, whatever, you know. Um, but, like, those, so, like, there something precipitates. People that value the concept of having guns see uh, the rhetorical disposition saying, uh, maybe we don't need to have all these guns around. So then you start having people getting more guns and then the other people on the, the other side of it saying, you know, it, it, it becomes a dialogue and action ultimately at that point where some people are doing it and other people are doing it on the other side. <laughs> yeah. So I, I still, and I think that that was at least part of the trigger, mm-hmm. all of those things. And, and they saw certain results. So they just kept doing it because they see, okay, well, you know, if we want, a Republican-controlled House, then we have to blame, you know, these people for this. And then a couple of years later, we need to switch it around, and and they're just moving things back and forth. Um, to maintain power and, and keep the blindfold over our eyes, to where we can't see exactly what's going on. And that's the, I think that that's the biggest thing that they can say is we're taking away your guns. And then everybody freaks out and they focus on, well, they're trying to take away our guns. So they don't look at any of the other shit that's going on. Um, 
So do you think the rhetorical disposition is just smoke and mirrors to get them get an individual to focus on the specific thing, but not focus on the bigger picture? Then I think at least in part. You know, I was listening to something earlier today about who was the goofy kid that went up to Wisconsin and shot those white kids. just recently? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was from Illinois. Yeah, I don't know his name. Uh, God damn it, I can't remember his name. Well, either way, that kid goes up there, and the the weird people that I see, so, like, I, I see these people that sort of, like, get galvanized around an ideological disposition that uh, that he supports or other people, like the Proud Boys support or the Three Percenters support and all that shit, and they tend to support the idea of the second amendment and guns. Uh, but there's something that's incredibly uh, hypocritical at the, at the back of the way that they, because they're, they're blue liners at the same time. How can you be in favor of having guns so that you can keep a government in check, but you keep supporting, you know, the, the militarization of the police, the, I mean, like it, it's almost, it just seems like those, I mean, shouldn't those be too contrary you, you would want to keep the state smaller. You would want to keep the militarization of the police force as something that would not occur. You know, I mean, what, like, well, I think a lot of the people that want the guns are either current or former military or current or former police. And these are people that may or may not know the big picture themselves. Right. So they just say, okay, well, I do, you know, this blue line is important. You can't have my guns. You know, so Jim Jeffries was the comedian I was thinking of when I said that he said this and you said, no, nobody ever said that. What did he say? Say what he said again. Well, so basically he said that at the time of the Constitution, it was a, a single shot musket. Um, and now, you know, we're talking about AR 15s and automatic rifles. And he said, you know, so you've got at least time to cool off with, with the musket. So you catch your wife, you know, fucking the neighbor. Well, hold on a minute. And he grabs his musket and he's loading it. And he's like, yeah, you're going to get it. I'm going to get you. And then he's like, oh, you know what? You're, you're an all right guy. You're an all right guy. Get off my way. Um, so, but there were lots of people in, not the media, but just using television or, or electronics as a medium that said something similar. You know, Rosie O'Donnell said something like that. Jamie Foxx said something like that. And all of this is, you know, between, again, in the late 90s to now, because Jim Jeffries didn't get big until, I think, 2006, 2007. Um, so the, the argument has been made, and I don't think that that's a very good argument, but Jim Jeffries said something else really interesting. He said... So the minute that I start talking about this, the audience is going to split into two halves. 
and you know, 50% of you are going to agree with me, and the other 50% are going to be like, you know, we're talking about my guns here. And out of that 50%, 10%, and of course, we're still dealing with the whole 100. He didn't break down the 50 again, but he said 10%, those are going to be the guys that are like, I don't give a fuck. Keep your hands off my guns. Um, and I think that he's probably right. Like, they don't listen to an entire argument because they just, I don't know, believe so wholeheartedly in that, that Second Amendment that it doesn't matter what you say. Um, yeah, I think that that general tendency, I think, pretty much runs rampant through the vast majority of, I mean, I think that's where your smoke and marriage stuff tends to work really well, regardless of whether you're talking about it on the, you know, the uh, technological innovation, you know, brings about, you know, guns that we weren't prepared to deal with. Militias aren't the same thing now as that, you know, what we're, we're dealing with an entirely different situation or people that are saying, you know, pro guns. I mean, like the, there's a there's a, a you know, pe it's people's emotions get really heavily involved in a lot of these things when they're trying to negotiate the the ins and outs of them. Well, he compared us to Australia too. Like after the Port Arthur massacre in whatever, 96, Australia got rid of their guns. And he said, so here's the difference is that in 96, after Port Arthur, we said, okay, you know, since there was this massacre and, and there've been like nine of them before Port Arthur, mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and get rid of guns. So Australia, they, they tightened up there. And he said, Australia said, yeah, okay, fine, no more guns. Now, whether or not that's entirely true, you know, he's a comedian. Sure. But he did say something, and it was funny, and probably mostly true, is that he said the same argument happened in the United States, which it kind of did because we had Columbine and then Sandy Hook and, you know, all of these fucking massacres. And they said, okay, now they said, we're going to take away your guns. And somebody said, you're going to take away our fucking guns. What are you talking about? And it's, yeah, it kind of, I mean, I agree. I don't think the gun is not the issue. And even though they, they say it over and over and over again. The truth is that it isn't guns that are killing people. It's wackadoos that are killing people. So, I mean, like, instead of, you know, making these, you know, because ultimately, shit, when I was 15 years old, I was over at a kid's house and there was a guy that had a fucking Uzi that he, and he said, I'll sell it to you for a thousand bucks. I mean, a white kid from fucking suburbia, you know, I mean, if I can do that, then no matter what you do, you know, make them illegal, black, black markets are going to continue to exist as well. Uh, with the wackadoos, you know, I mean, there were, there was, there were signs with the the kid, you know, I mean, leading up to him, mean, he was very young, you know, I mean, are there steps that we can take instead to where we're, we're addressing questions without, uh, you know. I think so, but I think certain things are going to fall through the crack anyway. I, cracks anyway, because we're we're talking about lots and lots of people, right? So I think what you're talking about is tightening it up more on 
if you've got mental problems, you can't have a gun, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what does that mean? That means if you've ever seen a shrink for one thing or another, then maybe they need to look deeper into your background, I would think. Um, you know, so we can we can grab those people that have been court ordered to see psychiatrists or they've been in institutions of some sort, you know, those those people we can say no, you can't have a gun. Mm-hmm. But what about the people that are just flat fucking crazy that have never ever seen anybody? There's, your your point is of course true. You're, but I mean, we like on on some level or another, we have, you got to have a starting point. You know yeah. I mean? So yeah, and like I don't think that we're very socially intelligent when it comes to the concept of mental health to begin with in the first place. No, we're not. You know, and it's it's funny. I don't think that they really care about mental health. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I mean, um, they got rid of most of the the federal mental health stuff, which also ended up paying for a lot of the state stuff throughout the 70s and 80s. So all of those programs that were built to ensure, you know, people were looked after so that something like that didn't happen, those programs are gone. I have, I have a buddy who does house visits, right? I mean, and it's for people that were institutionalized at some point in time or another, or were, were or are totally codependent on the government for pretty much their whole, because they're incapable of working and whatnot. And uh, in the last two or three years, um, she has literally gone from, uh, I think I think they they cut half of the uh, the people that work for her, for her. so she had, she literally had to triple her her caseload up, which means that you know anybody that that she's going and seeing. Uh, I mean, how how capable are you going to be of going in and like even interacting with the person for long enough to where you could get sort of like an evaluative point and to to really understand where they where they are. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. I mean, there's no doubt. Like the the uh, the material uh, things that are being put into mental health have been. I mean, anything that has to do with the the social welfare concepts when it comes to the state have been, uh, with the rise of neoliberalism, have have been disappearing for decades now. Well, and I don't even think. I mean, of course they're going to call it that because you know they want to say, oh well socialism is bad where you know but it's just taking care of our citizenry you know in one way or another either we're doing both which we're taking care of the mentally ill mm-hmm. which in turn takes care of those who are not mentally ill because they don't have to worry about going to a fucking mall and getting shot up or we're not taken care of either. And I think that that's really kind of the case here. Um, you know, because, look, here's here's the thing. If I want to fuck somebody up, lots of people, you don't need a gun to do it. Um, and I think that there are people that are aware of that. I mean, you know, 
there had to have been psychos before the gun was invented, you know, and granted there wasn't a mall that you could go to, you know, back in even the industrial revolution. But I mean, they didn't have malls in <laughs> Manchester in the 1840s. Let's go to the mall. Mate. Let's go get a slushy. So, you know, there, there weren't my British accent. Really is very bad. Actually, that was better than the last Thanks, one. Dude, I'm, I've been working yeah. that, so, in the shower. So, um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Like, but the gun is still a tool. I mean, it's an effective tool. Like, if a person wants to fuck somebody up, you know, like, no matter what. Like, it's easier to do than with a knife. Yeah. For sure. But that was my point, is that if there were a psycho and they wanted to hurt people, there are other things out there that could do it. Most people that do that kind of stuff, they're not like Jack the Ripper. They're not artists, you know? They're not like, I mean, I'm not identifying Jack the Ripper as an artist. I'm saying that, like, a person that, like... Hannibal Lecter imagines fucking doing things in some sort of like a peculiar way that, you know, uh, endears, you know, like Dexter or something like that. Right, right. Well, I was just making the point because, again, it's not guns that kill people. It's the people with the gun that are killing people. So if you're in a society that essentially doesn't care about the social well-being of the population... And you're feeding guns into that population because the gun industry, you know, sees this incredibly, incredibly lucrative capability. I mean, this like I am in terms of my uh, appeal to emotion with regards to the history of the United States. Like I, I always will kind of be like into the idea of, of the Second Amendment. But the, the what we're constructing right now is becoming more and more of a recipe for disaster than, I mean, I mean, you, you hope that things don't, don't take a turn, but it just seems like they could stockpile forever and just sit there. I mean, they could just get rust. I mean, I guess that could happen. That Kyle Rittenhouse guy, like I, like I really went down that today. I mean, like the way that he played out what he did was almost like a fantasy thing. And the dude did not get, uh, you can get charged with anything. I mean, it, it was a jury trial, and that's the way that shit works, you know. But uh, they ultimately ruled that uh, his actions were self-defense, and uh, like kind of what we're talking about in the in the last episode, because reasonable is like a very peculiar uh, term. It depends on you know, it's it's rooted in very subjective interpretations, and uh, there is no real like as much as we want to have a concrete belief that that law has like you know, some really concrete definitions. Sometimes like you look at that motherfucker and I have no idea how they called that uh, self-defense. And what's sad is that what is reasonable to one person may not be reasonable yeah. to another. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, shit, we've known each other forever. We argue like motherfuckers for, and we will until the end of time, you know, probably, <laughs> you know, and so I don't know. I mean, if let's say there were some sort of outside show and guns were banned, there were no guns at all. And everybody's laying out on their fucking picnic cloths or whatever. Um, 
All you'd have to do is run a car through the park. And I'm sure you could take out a whole bunch of people. Do you think if that happened, they would ban cars? I don't know that that's, I don't know that's a perfect, like... It's, like, it's not a perfect yeah. analogy, but what I'm saying is if they got rid of guns and there are no more guns, mm -hmm. and somebody ran over a hundred fucking people... No, they're not going to get rid of cars because cars are still functional for transportation. That's, that's why I mean, like, but, but, like, if you say the same thing and you're doing it, like, where a person has, like, this incredible, like, like, say, like a dart shooting device where they can, you know, then you're right. Yes, there's an infinite regress problem that comes out of this where a person creates another device that can do the same thing. And you just sort of like the, the obviously the only solution in these instances is to, is, is, is to create a safe society, a society that's intelligent enough to make choices to where you don't have people that are going around fucking killing each other. Actually, I think. Well, never mind. I was going to say, if psychos continue to call the herd, then there's a high probability that they're killing other psychos. So. Certain that won't have any effect on anything. <laughs> be, Nancy Pelosi will be sitting there with fucking Chuck Schumer and fucking uh, uh, some, some Republican. Yeah. Uh, Whoever. Yeah, they'll be, you know, they're calling the herd. So, you know, it's, it's a couple, you know, six of the people are good people, but two of the people were evil motherfuckers. So, you know, we're getting rid of some bad with the, you know. Right. You got to take the good with the bad. <laughs> um, the, there was something that I really wanted to talk about, and now I completely fucking lost it. It was about, was it from like current times or was it about the letter of the law and the constitution to begin with or? No, I think it was just about guns in general. And I don't know. Oh no, I know what I wanted to say. Right. And this is kind of about guns, but just more about the government pulling its nose out of everybody's fucking business. So a policeman should try to protect the public. But what that means is if you see a guy with a gun, you know, breaking into a house, stop that person because he's doing something illegal at that point. You know, if you see a guy cocking a shotgun walking into a bank, stop that person. He's probably doing something wrong. But if you just see someone with a gun in their house, let him be. Because he's probably not doing anything wrong. Until he does something wrong... Leave them alone. And I know that the argument is going to be, well, that's part of the problem. And that's why, you know, people at malls and, and wherever are getting killed. So we've got to get rid of the guns. But clearly, that isn't working. And I would, and I know everybody makes this argument too, but you mentioned 
you know, when you're a teenager, somebody trying to sell you an Uzi for a thousand bucks. Right now, you know, fentanyl is illegal and so is heroin. But any fucking high school kid can go and get heroin or fentanyl, right? I'm pretty sure they can go and get guns. I would prefer to have it where I'm allowed to have a gun and certain people aren't, as opposed to nobody's allowed to have them, but certain people who don't give a shit are going to have them anyway. So can you elaborate on the part about... Yeah, I mean, so if... Do you mean people that are mentally... People that are going to break the law, Uh period. So if they don't care because of some sort of mental problems or the fact that they want to rob a bank and don't give a fuck about, you know, robbing a bank being illegal, let alone possessing a firearm, those people are going to buy a gun anyway. And so now they're still going to have guns. So I don't think we're going to eliminate the problem. Yeah. Now it's illegal for them to buy a gun and shoot up a high school or a mall, but they don't care. I mean, I, I, I don't think that you're really running any concern. They're not going to, nobody's going to round up any guns right now. Like, to be perfectly honest with you, what I'm more, much more scared about is the other point that I brought up, dude, was all of these people who talk about small government pushing huge amounts of military expenditures in, into the into the air. I mean, like it, it just reminds me of, of that stuff in, you know, William R. Robinson's, like, uh, global military state or global military war, whatever that book is called. I can't remember what it's called, but it just, it just seems almost like it almost looks like you, you, you saw like ways that they made money off of selling guns in the Congo. You know, I, I just, I, I have a horrible fear that these financial positions are feeding a, a potential for conflict into some, you know, it's a rear guard strat into the U S you know, I mean, but it's not just the U S and it's funny cause I don't know why. Uh-huh. Um, maybe it was because of just the bill of rights as a whole. But when we started talking about doing this episode, I got this flashback of a picture that I saw when, I think it was when the Olympics were in London, but they had strapped fucking like missile launchers to some dude's house. It was just a a private house. And, you know, there were several of them and they had put these huge fucking missile launchers. I don't know, whoever, like MI5 or MI6 or whatever. I don't know. The SAS some government entity um, had put these launchers on top of people's houses and, and like sniper towers and shit. And here, because of the bill of rights, you can't do that shit anymore. You know, because of the no quarter. What is that? Amendment five, whatever. Um, 
so doesn't have jack shit to do with guns, but for some reason when we were talking about doing this, oh yeah, because five is I played the fifth. Um, that that picture just hit me, and I don't know, I I'm not sure why, but I thought this, it was kind of funny. The state using somebody's space like that. That 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 words me out less than the thought of like some of the pictures that were like when that that uh, protest broke out in Wisconsin. So like I can't remember the guy's name, but he did. Black guy got shot by the cops fourteen times. He didn't end up dying, um, but he ended up being paralyzed as a result of it. I mean, it was excessive force. It was a pretty shitty thing. But when it happened, all of these people fled into. Wisconsin, and there was these rhetorical like dispositions, like the Rittenhouse kid saying, "I'm going to go in there and protect property." Well, if a person decides to go and do that, there's a word for that. It's a vigilante, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I don't understand under what circumstances it ever makes sense to where. So like, in in the instance where after he had shot the second, so he he killed two, and 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 he he, he injured the last one. He shoots three people. The, the cops just go right by him. They don't even, I mean, how does, like, what? Like, the, like that's the picture that I'm getting in my head in the future. Like, where, like, I mean, it's not like Palestine, but it's, uh, like, where law would be even more subjective than it already is, and where these people would exactly. Well, it's, it's kind of like that. What the political arm of the IRA is is Sinn Fein, mm-hmm. right? And then there's the IRA, which is actually the guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if we were in Ireland, then then you know the, the Sinn Fein guys are are really running everything, but the IRA is arming everyone you know, neighbors and, and whatever else. So maybe in a place like that, and this is an example, I'm not saying it would ever happen or has happened, but, you know, they're running the government in theory. Um, and so they've got the police, but then they just run right by the IRA guys um, yeah. and and don't do anything about it. And you could say that for a couple of organizations, I think, where something like that could happen. Yeah, it would all, I mean, it would all be locally specific, like who's who's got power here, and, right? And where the money's tied, and I mean, this this fantasy of whatever it is that we have now would be a thing of the past. I mean, that that would be a tragedy, you know. But like, if we keep. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to tell anybody to take guns away, but I, I, I just think that the, like, uh, the psychology of, of, of our, our current social existence is not lending itself to, 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 a, to a pretty good, to good outcomes, I doubt, I don't think. So my closing thoughts are, are not going to be as academic as Darren, which they never are, but I I still think the government should keep their nose out of my fucking business until I do something wrong. So I think that 
you know, I should be able to own three pit bulls and a dragon, and I should have a fistful of cocaine on one hand and a big fucking AR-15 in the other, and I should be going 95 miles an hour in my car, um, and until I do something wrong, the police should leave me the fuck alone. You, you look like, like, like Chevy Chase there. You know, right? <laughs> Driving with my knees. Yeah. Um, I know I probably stretched it a little bit, but, but you guys get the point, I think. Um, anyway, those, those are my closing thoughts. I really, you know, even though I'm not a gun owner to the fact that I've got, you know, 16 guns, I should have the right to have those 16 guns. Um, and it's it's not to protect myself against some dipshit. It's to, you know, try to protect myself against a bunch of dipshits, the ones that we have elected into office, um, if they try to pull some shit down the road. You know, a tyrannical... What is it? Tyrannical... Well, anyway, tyrannical government. Um, as what I want to protect myself from. Not that I'm going to do that now, even though we could call it tyrannical now. Thank you for your thoughts. We'll just use our voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just more concerned about the political economy of it, so which is obviously going to be what I'm going to say 99.9% of the time. So, so what are we what are we talking about next Monday? Um. So. I think uh, we got what, homelessness coming up. We've got um, monsters on Wednesday. And then I think the Friday episode is still kind of up for debate. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we, where we go for that. The monsters thing will be about like the evolving, the, the way they've changed in terms of function with regards to the mythology, like in movies and stuff and whatnot it'll, it'll be fun it'll homeless. be a good time homeless. as all of our episodes are and, and homelessness will be a, uh, a bucket of joy as well because heaven knows that, uh, that that's what brings joy to people's lives indeed homelessness is fun 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 um all right so you guys know the deal um monday wednesdays and fridays are new episodes um twitter short bus debate TikTok short bus debate club seven two zero three three four roll 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 roll. roll. Are you gonna sing your song? Uh, I'm gonna, I actually am working <laughs> it out on the uh, I'm working it out on the uh, the uke, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, graft a little fish on that. So all right, bitches, we'll see you next week. Later.